What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse. It's Greg and myself, as always. How you doing, Greg? What's going on, guys? Heck yeah. Um, Pretty uh, small episode this week. We only got a couple topics. We're going to talk about spring game from um, Ohio State and Cincinnati football and then kind of go over the first two games of the Cavs-Knicks series in the first round of the playoffs here. But we'll go ahead and start with Ohio State. Um. Obviously, it's a spring game, so not everything's going to be perfect. They're probably not running all their plays. They, I don't think they had all their guys out there anyway. Um, some guys might still be healing from injury. Some guys might only play a couple snaps. But uh, just from what we got to see and the guys that we got to see, Greg, what are a few you know good and bad takeaways that you got from the spring game? Well, I definitely will start with the good. Uh, Kyle McCord's performance. I mean, obviously, all eyes were on McCord, uh, you know, starting out because. Devin Brown's not quite ready to play uh, as of yet. Um, that 37-yard touchdown to Carnell Tate on the go route in the fourth quarter um, was really nice. A few throws uh, to Marvin Harrison Jr. on the second drive, which uh, set up what looked to be like a scoring chance until that uh, pass was broken up by Denzel Burke on third down. Um, I mean, as far as McCord, he was a little inconsistent and nearly threw an uh, interception in the third play of the game. Um, and he also missed a few sideline passes late in the second quarter. Uh, but I think part of that inaccuracy is due to the unstable pocket. Um, so once that offensive line gets a little bit more proven, I think that his performance will improve as well. Uh, on the defensive side, I mean, the defense dominated. Uh, they dominated early and often. Um, you know, that shows that Ohio State didn't score a touchdown until less than like two minutes left in the second quarter, and that was on a 65-yard, 65-yard uh, run from linebacker turned to running back, Chip. Uh, I'm going to say his name completely wrong, but Trayanum. How you say his name? I think it's Tranum. Tranum. Okay. Tranum. Maybe uh, Tranum. Sorry, Tranum. Okay. So I mean, I said. Uh, their D-line definitely has depth and their O-line is struggling. So hopefully that can be fixed by, you know, this upcoming fall moving forward. So we'll see. Yeah. There's a few things that I definitely agree with you in there. I think the, the good things for me, I have, um, a couple things down here. So the the first thing that you said was the defense. I think the front seven, um, they were getting a lot of pressure on that offensive line. Whether or not that offensive line has their chemistry up yet, we'll have to see once we kind of get into the season. But it did seem like they were better at getting pressure, which they had been lacking the past couple seasons. Um, the DBs looked a little bit more polished. So maybe another year in that system, there's a couple older guys on that DB um, room. So they just looked a little bit more polished. They looked like they were, you know, a little bit more comfortable back there. Um, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. looked like Marvin Harrison Jr. That's he's going to be a dude this year. Um, I think that'll be something he'll, he'll be something fun to watch. And then he'll definitely be a high draft pick um, next year. And then you highlighted uh, Chip Train. Messes mess his name that's up too. <laughs> the way it's spelled out is, is a is. little bit challenging. I was like, wait a minute. Am I saying this correctly at all? And I looked over to read it and I was like, I just said it like four minutes ago. Not even four minutes ago. Um, Chip Tratum. Um, he is you obviously said he's a converted linebacker back to running back. He's a senior this year. He just he actually looked really good. And I think he's gonna be one of those guys. Like, I don't know if you remember Xavier Johnson from last year, um, where he just had like a a couple big game moments where he really helped us throughout the season. And then he was just a really solid, you know, older player that that 
just kind of fit into the system. And I think, I think chip is going to be able to do that as well too. And he's going to give us a guy like that um, this season that maybe will give us some big plays when we need it. Um, and maybe some of the other guys are hurt or we just need something different in there. I think that'll be something uh, cool to watch out for. My couple things that I saw weren't great. Obviously we highlighted the offensive line. They did not look that good either, whether that was the first or the second unit. And again, that could just be a chemistry thing. Also, we're kind of coming off of that offensive line last year for Ohio State was probably one of the best offensive lines we've had um, in totality at the school, and you're losing three or four of them to the draft. So I think that's um, that's going to be a big hole and that they're going to have to fill, and we'll have to see what it looks like uh, come fall. I wasn't super impressed by the rest of the wide receiver room. Obviously, Tate, the true freshman, looked pretty solid. Um, He looked like a guy that could come in eventually and and be like a really solid guy like Marvin Harrison. Um, Obviously, I don't think Abuka or Fleming played at all in this game. So I think that that's obviously they were probably running a lot of the guys that are going to be more that depth part of the wide receiver room. But I just wasn't super impressed with them. Marvin Harrison Jr. really looked like the only guy out there that um, was able to get open or get separation most of the time. Um, And then the defense still let up like two or three big plays. So I think if we can kind of limit those, obviously that run by Chip, that deep pass to Tate, um, I think I'm missing a third one. But, you know, the oh, um, there was 53-yarder to another wide receiver, number 80. I can't remember his name. That's going to bug me. But – um obviously like i said like three big plays they need to clean those up because they were pretty they were really solid for like 90 percent of the game but that's what killed us last you know last year was when the offense kind of wasn't clicking at times um especially in those big games or in those big games where we needed stops and they let up big plays so they're gonna have to try to work on those and go back to the tape and look at that stuff but um those are my like things that i thought went well and didn't go well yeah, I mean, there's definitely some some emerging Buckeyes to watch in this, and I'm really excited about that. I mean, the two that stand out to me are safety, Sonny Styles and linebacker C.J. Hicks. I mean, Styles was the number two ranked player for the Buckeyes, Buckeye State, I'm sorry, for the class of 2021, and Hicks was the number one ranked player. Um, so, they, you know, both showed flashes during the spring game. Uh, with Styles nearly getting an interception with 43 seconds left in the first half, uh, followed by a huge hit on freshman receiver Noah Rogers, like a few plays later, and Hicks uh, himself nearly had two interceptions that he wished he could have had back. So, um, you know that that's you know that they're they're Jim Knowles is is you know going to find a role for both these players, and they can be difference makers moving forward. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, yeah, this defense definitely looked more comfortable, and I think that's that's hopefully going to translate in the fall. Um, Knowles having, you know, going to his second season here at Ohio State and kind of implementing everything that he wants to implement. And uh, I, I really hope that changes because I think that's one thing that we're missing in that that Georgia game is if we were able to go into that game and and make like a couple stops – I think we win that game. You know, I don't I don't think we need to rely on the kicker to make that kick at the end of the game to win it. I think we can win that and go to the national championship and maybe have as easy a time as Georgia did. But um, <laughs> that's I mean, that's and we've all talked about it a million times, but that's yeah. just how sad it was that we were a field goal away from a national championship. If you really think about it, because we would have just dismantled TCU. Yeah. Um, so we, we literally he, he missed it at at you know, the turn of the new year, which was just like, I don't know. It was upsetting. 
I don't that's I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore. But yes, I do think that defense all year long was our thorn in our side, and that's gonna be the thing in the Michigan game. Again, as much as we want to win national championships around here, I think the past couple years have proven too that we do still want to beat Michigan, and it does still hurt that we have those two losses, especially the way that they were. If they were competitive games till the end and they were close, I think it would feel a little bit different. But the fact that we kind of just gotten blown out two, you know, two games in a row, at, at both in the second half, just kind of, I don't know, that really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So I'm hoping this defense can can improve that and uh, we can get back in the win column in that game as well too. Let's move on to the quarterback battle there. Obviously, we didn't get to see Dylan Brown play. Um, dealing with, I believe he had surgery on his uh, finger on his throwing hand. Um, Devin Brown, sorry. I don't know why I said Dylan. Um, Devin Brown. But we did get to see Kyle McCord and grad transfer Tristan Jebia. I think they pronounced it that way. Uh, so I guess, you know, the main one is probably Colin McCord because the battle was probably going to be between him and Brown. But I guess in your opinion, what did you see from McCord that, that you liked and didn't like? I mean, he's got poise and he's got speed and, and that's what, you know, stands out to me the most. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, McCord's going to be the, probably the starter um, you know, I think he was the primary of the backup last season, so he's definitely got a leg up on on the competition, and I think that's due to experience. Um, Brown's also got, uh, you know, some ability to make some plays with his legs, so, uh, but I just think McCord is just a more complete quarterback, and I, I think, we'll, you know, I, again, we'll probably have to wait till August till anything is really worked out on that, you know, so, um, but I think McCord's just a more complete quarterback. Um, he's, it's going to be hard to replace CJ um, in that capacity. Um, I don't think he's quite at the caliber that CJ was, but we'll see. Uh, it's it's going to be exciting and to see what, uh, you know, there's been so many amazing quarterbacks come out of Ohio State, and, you know, sometimes you don't see them necessarily showing flashes of brilliance early on in, you know, the freshman or sophomore, and then they uh, kind of show up a little bit later. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Cause I, I do feel like we kind of got cheated out of not being able to see Brown play. And just because I, they are kind of fundamentally a little bit different of quarterbacks. Like Kyle McCord is very much like CJ Stroud, where like if he needs to run and get out of the pocket, he can. And CJ showed us that in the, you know, against Georgia. But Brown is more of that, like, oh, I'll I'll just run it. If my first read's not there, boom, I'm gone. I'll, I'll take off. And and though they're fundamentally different guys. And I would have loved to to see that. I would have loved to see them battle out. I wasn't super impressed with Kyle McCord and I know it's just a spring game and they don't have all the, you know, they don't have their best players out there at all points. They're not running the best plays they can play. You know, that defense is playing against them all spring. So they know all the plays that they're running (laughs) pretty much. So, but I just wasn't super impressed. He didn't look much better than, you know, Tristan Jebbia did. And, and I just, I would have liked to see a farther gap. I would have liked to see a little bit more, but it's spring. It's 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 yeah. And I, yeah. We've never expected anything out of this spring game. I I, I can go back years of uh, a high state quarterbacks that didn't necessarily do a lot or, or or show flashes of brilliance in in a spring game. You know, 
So I think it's just the, the point of the spring game is partially for the fans and the, you know, partially to kind yeah. of shake the, the winter cobwebs off your, your body and, and kind of move forward with that. So uh, I wouldn't put too much stock into what performance spring game, you know, we'll, we'll see when we come uh, August and what's going on then. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's why I prefaced it with that. I, I understand it's not like we're not 100% go and these guys aren't a hundred percent yet, yet with like the offense and what they've been doing. It just, I don't know. It, I, I guess I just, I would have liked to see the actual quarterback battle between the two guys that, that we think are going to either going to be one of the starters. Obviously we didn't get to see that. And then I don't know. It just, like I said, from what I saw, he, he, when Marvin Harrison was out there, they were connecting pretty well. So they seem to have a good connection with each other, which I think is probably the most important. Um, if you're going to be the main guy, you got to be able to get the ball to Marvin Harrison. Um, but I just think that, I don't know. I, I, I would love to see, what it looks like come fall and, and who he chooses and, and which route he goes. Cause like I said, they're both fundamentally different quarterbacks. Um, not saying that Brown can't throw as well as McCord. Cause obviously we haven't got to see it, but you know, one, one's, one's more of like a, I'll run it. And one's more of a, I'll run it. If that's the last thing that I have to do. So we'll kind of see when it comes to that. But did you have anything else on the Ohio state spring game before I move no, on to no, Cincinnati? No, no, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, also like a super fun experience, you know, $7 for tickets. People get to go to the shoe. It's always a fun time. I think one year I went, we like, I was a part of a crowd that broke the, um, attendance record for that stadium or something like that at a spring game. So, um, definitely like a fun time for, for fans and something cool. I'm, I'm glad they do that every year. And, um, it, it's a cool atmosphere for the, for the players as well to kind of be a part of that. So, um, Cincinnati spring game. Good, bad takeaways. What you got from that one? I mean, it wasn't as uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, as exciting as as maybe the Ohio State one, but uh, you know, as the defense definitely set the tone for the Bearcats through much of the spring practice, so it was fitting. Uh, you know, Utah State transfer Daniel Grisak. Uh, you know, he came screaming off the edge in that very first live scrimmage rep. So, you know, he's he's immediately going to be creating some havoc in the backfield for, for some other teams. Obviously, that QB battle continues. Uh, you know, the, the competition between Bryant and Jones for the starting quarterback spot, uh, they really didn't give us a definitive answer when it comes to who's going to start. Jones had his probably the most impressive passing sequence in the early on to that touchdown drive, uh, completing all four of his pass attempts. And then, a, like, was it a... 16-yard touchdown uh, to Singletary. The offensive highlight of the afternoon was probably the 40-yard uh, touchdown heave from that four-star freshman quarterback uh, recruit uh, Brady Drogash. These last names I cannot spell. It's <laughs> um, a freshman wideout Barry Jackson. So they're the kind of the early enrollees. Uh, so uh, that's exciting to watch. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Those two guys you mentioned at the end, I, I read an article and, and they were saying how well they connected with each other. So, you know, maybe maybe this is a transition year for the staff. And then as they move forward, like those are two guys that could be a cornerstone for that offense, um, kind of hoping to propel them, um, especially in the new conference that they're in. The things that I wrote down uh, for the good and bad 
was that the defense looked pretty fast and comp- and they competed at a pretty high level. Obviously, again, this is a spring game. They've kind of seen all the plays that the offense is going to run, um, but they did seem very explosive. I think that'll be very important, um, especially playing um, – what is it? They're in the Pac-12 now. Um, so I think that'll be important uh, for the conference that they're in. Uh, the other thing I saw was it seemed like they wanted to run the ball a ton, um, and they had like eight guys touch the ball <laughs> in the running back room. So and they, it's not like they had a very many big plays, but they did seem to be very successful when it came to like, you know, getting four or five yards a carry. So that'll be something important looking forward is like if if they can really ground and pound people, um, and get that from maybe two or three guys throughout the season to to help out with their quarterbacks. Because the thing that I had last on my good and first on my and the only thing I had for like my bad takeaway from this was that their QB battle was still close um, and they have two guys that look like could start for them but aren't super impressive guys that we've seen things from in the past so I think that'll be something to look at their development when it comes fall obviously through the summer and then once they start playing is is whether or not either of these guys can take the next step um if not, I do really think this team is going to have to rely heavily on their defense to get stops and heavily on their run game to control um, the clock. So they're not putting a lot of pressure on their two quarterbacks to throw them um, into wins or you know out of big deficits. I think that's going to be the big thing going forward. Um, but I am looking to see which one gets a starting job and how their development was through the offseason because they didn't look awful. Obviously, it's spring game, so it's hard to tell, but just from their previous you know, seasons of play and kind of what we've seen from them. I'm not, I wasn't super impressed going into this um, season. So we'll kind of have to see what their development looks like from that. That was, like I said, that was like my good and bad thing. Like you have two guys that can start for you. So that's good. But also what kind of jump are those two guys going to take or one of those guys going to take when it comes to fall time and and what level of play are you going to get out of them? So, but if you can get a high level of play out of them and that can match that run game and that defense they have, it might be a, a, a pretty dangerous team to watch in that conference so um anything else to add to the spring game um yeah i mean the jordan young that cornerback that florida state uh transfer um he he's been impressive all spring for me and he seems to have locked down that starting uh corner spot so if we see more of that from him on saturday um i mean he's had a pair of impressive pass breakups on uh routes over the middle and a like freakishly on ball instincts coverage. So uh, look out for Jordan Young. I, I think that he's going to surprise a lot of people uh, come this season. So that's that's definitely something to watch. Yeah, yeah. Another big, big defensive back. Not big as in he's big, but another big play defensive back that might come out of Cincinnati and, and make some noise in the NFL someday too. So um, that'd be pretty cool. And in this time of, the transfer window, getting a guy like that um, from FSU is huge. So um, especially a school that kind of tries to get big talent that comes there. So be a, a um, something something to watch for us as we kind of go through the season and, and see how they go. So um, let's go ahead and move into our last topic here. We're talking about the Cavs. I don't know if you guys watched the, the first two games here in the season. Obviously, New York took game one. The Cavs took game two. Now they're going to head to New York. I believe they play Friday, Thursday or Friday. Um, there's usually two days in between, so maybe Friday uh, for game three. But what was your takeaways from game one and two for the Cavs, Greg? I mean, I don't even know where to start. Uh, 
throughout uh, actually all of this NBA uh, playoffs that you know the Knicks have been surprising a lot of people when they played really strong against a lot of really good teams all season uh, if you've paid attention to them and you know, even at the beginning uh, of the playoffs I was one to say the Knicks are scary good and could surprise a lot of people and possibly disrupt uh, some things in this first round. Um, and I, I, I don't know um, if we have any more games like game one, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Cause it was just, it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde when it came to the Cavs, like who were we going to get? I mean, that was a very disappointing game one. Obviously, they looked a little bit more like themselves in game two, but game one, they got out-hustled, out-rebounded. Um, they just didn't seem like they put much of an effort. And then, I don't know, game two, uh, I, I don't know. I, they still didn't, even though they were up by 20 at, at certain points during the game, I just didn't necessarily see uh, urgency. We had a little bit of an explosion from Darius Garland, uh, their young star point guard uh, scored I think 26 points in the first half uh, and he just looked untouchable from deep so and Knicks didn't really have an answer for him so uh, I don't know Levert seemed like a little bit better of a player and Mobley kind of looked a little bit more like himself in the second half so I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see what this game is going to turn into once uh, they're in New York. And uh, Knicks have always been strong at home, so uh, you could see this, you know, going back to a two-one advantage. Uh, I, I, we've seen the Cavs all year play play lights out basketball, and you know, sure their dominance in at least the top four, top five category in. The East, but uh, after that performance in Game One, kind of showed some of their flaws. That could be effort-wise, that could be just health-wise. But I, I just, I'm not over the moon. Like when it comes to like, you know, if I'm going to put money down, I, I wouldn't be able to put money down on the Cavs at this point in time because you know, not like with the the Celtics or the 76ers where it's it's guaranteed money. Uh, Cavs scare me, and I don't want to waste that money. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree. The the disparity between game one and game two was kind of weird. You look at a team in game one that uh, didn't really seem defensively like they normally do. And then game two, that looked like the defensive team that we saw all season. So it'll be interesting going forward. I think game one, maybe they just got a little caught off guard with actually like how good Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson are. You know, obviously those guys have been tearing it up all year and Julius Randle, I think doesn't get enough credit for how good of a player he actually is. But I think those two guys inside Jared Allen and Evan Mobley just didn't realize what they were guarding until they were guarding it. And I think that game two, they adjusted a little bit and they were able to, you know, slow him down a little bit, get a little bit more rebounds from him. Um, Obviously, Darius Garland exploding in game two helped out because Donovan Mitchell didn't really have a good game. But game one, Donovan Mitchell had a good game and Darius Garland really didn't have a good game. So I don't know. This team is going to have to. It's the playoffs. And I think the other thing that maybe, you know, when I said, hey, I think this team could get to, you know, the conference finals if they're clicking on all cylinders. I guess I really didn't think about that this is kind of the first time or 
a lot of the guys on this roster don't have playoff experience. You know, Donovan Mitchell has a lot of playoff experience. Outside of that, you have Chetty, who has some. And then you have your veteran guys, but they're not the ones who are really putting in a lot of minutes for you. They're on the bench, you know what I mean? So it's it's hard to tell somebody how to perform in a situation or how to turn it on in a situation rather than doing it yourself. So these guys are learning you know what it's going to take. They have to flip that switch. Like the regular season, you're playing hard, but when it comes to the playoffs, you have to turn it up a notch. And I think that they're going to have to figure this out during this playoff run. The unfortunate thing is they're going up against the Knicks, who a lot of them have playoff experience, and a lot of them know that we know the the switch that they need to flip in this situation. And I think that's disadvantaging the Cavs a little bit, but. If they can, if they can figure out how to flip that switch, and Donovan Mitchell can galvanize, galvanize, galvanize those guys, I think, uh, I think that they could win this series. Obviously, going back to New York is going to suck being in the Garden, but if they can come back to Cleveland two-two, I think that'll be a really good um, place for them to be in in this first round. Uh, I do anticipate this probably going seven games, just because. Like you said, the, the Knicks are actually a good team. It's not like they're a bad team. And they have, you know, two really good guys and 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 they have a really good squad around them. So I yeah, think don't underestimate RJ Barrett either. Like yeah, you know, he plays fantastic at home. So this is my only like this is kind of a side rant topic, but I, I always felt the first round should not be seven games. It should be like a five game series okay. or a three game series. Um that you just have to be on point completely because you know the plan is just the one, mm-hmm. and then you go from one to seven. Like, shouldn't there be like a somewhat of a, uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can see that because what because because baseball is like that. What the first round's three, yeah, and then it goes to five, and then seven and seven. So, I mean, I, I could see something like that where the first round's you know best of three second rounds best of five and then conference and championship are best of seven i'm cool with that i mean i know i guess it's it's just always been what it was before the plan even was a thing so i don't know walk out watch out for the kings kings are uh i think it's gonna surprise a lot of people though with Giannis going out or at least i mean he's questionable for tonight uh but uh Celtics are looking strong. Celtics are looking strong going forward into this, and uh, they're yeah. now favored to win the championship. So I'm yeah. super pumped about that. If yeah, if Giannis isn't 100, percent that's going to be tough uh, for the Milwaukee to make it pretty far. Hopefully, hopefully he's 100 percent because I want to see everybody at their best. You know, if Draymond could stop crushing people's chests, that would be nice. But <laughs> I mean, uh, to be to be fair, the dude did grab his foot. He could let me let, let me let me ask away, you this, but he continued he yeah he retaliated with the foot grab if, if some if somebody grabs your foot and you're moving in a certain direction what do you think the best course because I I know what I would do I would just I would just slowly fall to the ground you know what I mean to me that's the best way to avoid injury on either side because I mean I guess I'm also not like six eight so i guess i don't know what it's like falling when you're six eight five you know five four is a little bit closer to the ground but like (laughs) (laughs) but like i still i just i just feel like oh he's grabbing my leg i can't move instead of me jumping around and 
potentially twisting my leg up or landing on him or whatever it may be. Let me just kind of fall over, land on the ground a little bit, kind of roll over and get up. I, I don't know. I, I just I don't think him jumping around and stomping on his chest was really the best course of action. I can't say it was malicious because I'm not in his own head. Um, obviously, he got suspended for it. I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but yeah, just a weird, a weird situation. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Back to the Cavs, though. I, I do, I do think that they just need those young guys need to figure out how to flip the switch. I mean, even though Jared Allen's been in the league longer than those guys too, like he doesn't have much playoff experience when it comes to you know really playing in a playoff series. So I think that's the it's going to be big for them. And this is a big test. If they can get past this, then I think they have a good opportunity to kind of continue on and, and we'll have to see what it looks like. So anything else you wanted to add for the Cavs? No, no. I mean, uh, unfortunately I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to side with the Knicks on this. Uh, so you can chastise me later, but I, I think that, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm going with the Knicks on this, this route. I just don't see the Cavs making it, but maybe I'm jinxing it and then the Cavs will win. So who knows? Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I can agree with you that I am a little worried. You know what I mean? I think that's, that that's, that's where I'm at with that, but I, I'm still confident in this team. I'm confident that game two is really what this team plays like. And if Donovan Mitchell can have a better performance than what he did in game two, then I think this team is, it is is on their way to to winning a series or two in this playoffs and maybe even making it to the conference championship. So, but they have to flip the switch and they have to figure it out. So we'll see what happens. But I'm sure, sure. like what two weeks from now when we have our next episode, um, we'll either be in the next round playing or uh, we won't. So or we'll have probably something be, more talk talk about. Yeah, we'll be closer. We'll be farther along. I don't know. So yeah. we'll see what's going on. But. That pretty much does it for the episode, guys. Like I said, just a couple topics on this one. Um, they were a couple bigger topics, so that's why we kind of stuck with just a few. Um, next time, we'll definitely be back talking about the Guardians, the Reds, uh, and the Columbus Crew and FC Cincinnati as their seasons kind of just get underway and continue on. But for now, we're going to end this episode with the double take segment. I'll go ahead and let Greg go first. I uh, I didn't realize that the NFL hates the Cleveland Browns. They do. Yeah, I, I just I was you know, obviously looking for some facts, uh, you know, some Ohio sports facts, and it just kind of stuck out to me that uh, the Browns are the only team to neither play in nor host a Super Bowl. Well, but is that because they don't have a dome, or because they just don't like Cleveland? Well, I mean, there've been other undomed stadiums that have hosted well, I guess, the Super Bowl. I guess in the past though too. Yeah. That's they're they're you said they're the only one? I think they're the only team to need neither play in nor host a Super Bowl. Even Jacksonville? So, well teams have possibly played but not Oh you're saying okay played in or hosted. Okay, I got yeah. you. I got you got you. So has has, has to... Jacksonville hosted a Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this fact is completely false but you maybe know, they I, have I, I don't know i trust the internet trust the you do <laughs> i do i trust the internet okay don't you don't you always trust the internet <laughs> maybe they have i mean i don't know 
Yeah, well, maybe. My, my second little one, and I was going to use this or not, but I found the other one, is that I didn't realize that uh, golf became a much more popular sport in the 20th century thanks to the invention of the rubber golf ball by Cleveland, Ohio golfer Corbin Haskell and Betram Work. Uh, they worked for the BF Goodrich Company, and they were the ones that invented the rubber golf ball in Cleveland, Ohio. So that was kind of interesting. Nor but, like uh, Northern Ohio is just all about the rubber, man. Tires, yeah. golf balls. I know the football is not made out of rubber, but, you know, I mean, it's just like, well, it's got to have a little bit of rubber on there. But, I mean, hey, we're just, just a rubbery kind of state. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty crazy, though. Interesting. So do they, I mean, you say, is it like a practice ball or do they actually use a rubber ball now on the uh, circuit? I think that at least in the, the early 20th century, it was probably more rubber uh, hmm. and that's what made it more popular. But obviously it's, it's a different. Uh, I guess it, it had more, now. yeah, more, more bounce to it. Maybe it, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's definitely crazy. Cause when you think about like a golf ball now, like that, that sound it makes when it hits the, when you hit it with the club, like it's just so dis- distinct to me now, you know what I mean? So I'm interested to see like, or I guess not see, but hear what it would sound like hitting a rubber one. Like that would be a completely different sound. So that's like, I don't know. Cause I feel like that's, that's like baseball too. Like part of the allure of baseball to me, is just like the, the crack of the bat, the sound that that makes, you know, when you, when you hit, like when a home run comes off of it, it's just so distinct. So that's definitely interesting. All right. Um, I got a couple. They're pretty quick. Um, the first one, well, if I can pull it up, there you go. Um, so this says that on average, because we have so many professional sports teams in Columbus, that we average over 130 professional games every single year, for prof- like which is insane to me. Obviously, you know, baseball is going to take up the majority of that. So you're probably closer to like 200. But I think that that's like, well, I guess minor league, would you count that as professional? Yes. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think that's pretty cool. Like when you think about Central Ohio in itself and you go down there in the arena district, you know, you have minor league baseball, which is going to have just a crap ton of games. Um, You have, you know, major league soccer and then hockey. So you probably have like, over 200 some professional games at any point throughout the year going on in central Ohio. So um, that's just, it was a cool little stat that I found online. Um, and the other thing that I saw the other day, cause I kind of was trying to find something in line with that is in 2024, they're going to add more professional games to that number throughout the year, because Columbus is going to be one of the founding teams of the professional volleyball federation, which is going to be starting up in 2024 we don't have a team name yet but it's like us dallas grand rapids uh michigan uh, omaha nebraska and atlanta are like the first four teams in it and then they're trying to find another six teams to be a part of the inaugural season so um and then when i was like reading the article on it so joe burrow his parents and then um trent dilfer are big investors into the league as well too so something cool something cool to watch when it comes i think they're looking at nationwide arena as being their their home building uh so that'll be something something cool to add to our you know our list that we talk about (laughs) every other week here 
So that was just some cool article that I found um, while I was like looking through stuff and, um, and Ashley was telling me about it too the other day. So I thought that was pretty interesting that it, it's kind of gotten around social media as well too. So definitely something to look out for. Maybe once they announce the team name, we'll, we'll announce that and add that to our, our repertoire of, of sports to talk about. I don't follow volleyball a ton, but I guess we'll have to start. Yeah. Yeah, pay attention. You know, it's going to be uh, men and women, or I think a it's men's league or women's league. Like, um, it didn't say specifically um, in the article that I was reading. I'm wondering if it might be like maybe a co-ed league or something because it didn't say specifically. Oh, here we go. It does say women's volleyball here at the bottom. Okay, here we go. So, okay. <clears throat> So I just didn't read the whole article, I guess. <laughs> trust the internet. Yes, trust the internet. And that's why I was like looking. I was like, where does it say? But yes, it does. It does say women's volleyball. So maybe eventually we'll get a you know a men's volleyball league too that's attached to it. I don't know. Um, it did say that I guess there was a professional uh, women's volleyball league uh, years ago. So they're trying to bring that back um, as like a premier division one professional women's volleyball league um, and kind of build off of that. So I don't know. We'll kind of see how that turns out. Like I said, well, if it, if it comes to fruition and once the team name gets dropped, we'll start covering it and uh, we'll definitely have to, I'll have to add that to my, my calendar. I have all the, the games for Ohio sports or professional sports in Ohio on my calendar on my phone. So it'll pop up and be like, there's a blue jackets game tonight. And I'll be like, cool. I can watch the first 10 minutes of it. And then I got to go to bed for work and then I'll watch the highlights tomorrow. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely something cool. So, but did you have any other cool facts, Greg? No, no, that was it. That was it. I'll, I'll try to find some more next time. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. And if you guys have any cool ones, you know, obviously when we make our post, uh, for this episode, go ahead and, and comment underneath it. Let us know if there's any facts that, that we've missed over the past, you know, I guess since we started this year. Um, and, you know, we'll say them on the podcast so everybody else can listen to them as well, too. But as always, I'm Nick. I was joined by Greg. This was another episode of Ohioverse presented by Deep Dive Sports. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, go ahead and follow Ohioverse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one.